You're listening to the Sermon Podcast for the Gate Church in Lethbridge, Alberta. For more information, to contact us, or to support this ministry, please visit thegate.org. I'm privileged today to have uh, some time with you to return to uh, Paul's letter in the New Testament of 1 Corinthians. Uh, Last week, uh, Pastor Brad shared an excellent introduction to the spiritual gifts listed in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Among other things, Brad showed us that we all have spiritual gifts and that there are ways for us to discover what our gifting is and put those gifts into practice. Our gifts are diverse. Our church is uh, not a toolbox full of hammers. Amen? You know what I'm talking about? Um, No, but we are various. We are useful in the ways that we work together. Different tools achieving the same goal of God's good plan. So today we are going to explore each of the spiritual gifts for a moment each to, to clarify what it means perhaps to have that gift, what it is, and how you use it. So my message will be more teachy than preachy, okay? Um, so I, I say this because we should have a good grasp on what the gifts actually are. Otherwise, we can be left with uh, assumptions or, or even barriers that prevent us from actually making use of the gifts that God has offered his children, So while I share, it is my heart to see us move beyond the the theoretical and actually into that robust life of the Holy Spirit that we're reading about uh, in Paul's letter. So we're going to do that. Now we'll turn to 1 Corinthians 12 and read verses 1 through 11. This is Paul speaking to the church. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be unaware You know that when you were pagans, you used to be enticed and led astray by mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus is cursed, and no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. Now, there are different gifts, but the same Lord. There are different ministries, but the same Lord. And there are different activities, but the same God works all of them in each person. A manifestation of the Spirit is given to each person for the common good. To one is given a gift of the message of wisdom through the Spirit. To another, a message of knowledge by the same Spirit. And to another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the performance of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, different kinds of tongues. To another, interpretation of tongues. One and the same spirit is active in all of these, distributing to each as he wills. This is the word of the Lord for us this morning. Imagine you go to a birthday party for a good friend. And you've known this friend for a while, and and you want to celebrate them, so you you get them a gift. And because you know them so well, you're able to think of the perfect gift. It's a combination of practical and exciting, which is a hard balance to strike. And so you're excited to to give them the gift. So you go to the party, and and they say, hi, welcome, thank you so much for coming. And 
and you say, happy birthday, I'm, I'm so glad that you were born, I got you this gift. And uh, you can't wait to see the look on their face when they open it. So you're like, go on, go on, open it, open it. And, like, and they smile and say, no. <laughs> and you're like caught off guard, but you're like, okay, okay uh, you can open it later. That's all right, open it later and just let me know. And again, they say, no, thank you. And at this point, you're confused <laughs> and perhaps a, l a little bit hurt. Um, and you, you're thinking, well, is there some kind of problem or something? And they say, no, I'm really thankful for this gift. In fact, I love it. But I like it the way it is, and so I'm going to keep it wrapped forever. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what I'm afraid of is that many Christians have been given gifts that they haven't even unwrapped, so we don't know what they are. Or maybe, if we have unwrapped them, we're content with simply knowing what they are, so we haven't taken them out of the box to make use of them and practice them. You see, Christians have received really good gifts from our Heavenly Father. God knows us, He cares for us, He loves us, and He gives us these things which we read about to uh, build us up, but to encourage others as well. So first I want to offer a framework with which to possibly identify which gift or gifts you might have. Some of you already know, but that's okay because today we have a chance to consider and reconsider what gift might be in your life. Um, last Sunday where Brad concluded uh, he reminded us that we can seek the Lord to do this, to discover our individual gifts. So this morning I'm picking up where he left off. And it's true that there are some uh, good and not so good resources available to help us do this. Have you ever done a spiritual gift test? Some of us have. There are often surveys, which as much as I love filling out surveys, I really do. Um, this, this one's a little different than that. It's, it's not as... Um, uh, clear cut, I suppose, and that's actually why I chose this framework because I think it's helpful for us to have. It's from J.D. Greer, a pastor and author, um, and it keeps us open to the presence of God's Spirit in our own experiences. So as we go back through the passage, we are to be prayerfully reflecting on these uh, filters, we'll call them, with which to view the gifts and to consider if, if they might be ours. And as you'll see in a minute, um, this framework creates a Venn diagram, which is awesome. Okay, so um, the first of the three categories uh, from, from Greer's um, suggestion is affinity. Affinity. Um, what do you have an affinity for? Or in other words, what are you passionate about? What do you care about? What unique interests drive you? Maybe it's uh, something like justice, or, or generosity, or health and wellness, or art and beauty, or caring for other people who are in need, or, or education, or something else. I don't know. It could be anything, really. Fill in the blank about your passion, what you, are affinit, uh, what you have an affinity for that you may be able to use as a gift from the Lord to encourage others to build his kingdom.
affinity. Now, the second category is ability, your abilities. What skills or talents do you have? Now, you understand this isn't the same thing necessarily as affinity because you may have a strong skill set that you are not passionate about. <laughs> You're just good at it, right? So, and that's okay. Uh, maybe you are... Um, an organizational genius, maybe you're good at communicating with others, or you've learned a, a skill or a talent that you're really good at passing on and teaching to other people, or you're naturally creative. And I know already some of us are thinking, oh, I don't know, I don't have any. Come on, you do. We're not, let's not be hard on ourselves here. We're talking about the positives, the strengths that you have. And you can't tell me you don't, you don't got them because you do. What skills do you have? What abilities has God blessed you with that he can use? So there's your affinities, your abilities, and the third category is called affirmation. This is a very important one because it asks, when or where have others affirmed in your life that God was using you? When or where has someone else affirmed to you that God was at work through you? When has someone told you that you ministered to them or that God spoke to them through you? What experiences in your past can you think of that God was evidently working through you in? Where has your giftings and your affinities been uh, and your abilities been affirmed by others as possibly a spiritual gift? Now, uh, these are three categories that, if you take one of them on their own, won't necessarily be very accurate in pointing you to what your spiritual gift would be. But taken together and prayerfully, I do believe that we are able to possibly consider and, and see what the Holy Spirit has gifted us with in our life. So, with an open mind, with open hearts, we're going to... Uh, return to Paul's described spiritual gifts and ask the Lord in his grace to move us towards a fuller expression of them. Uh, yes, individually, but together as a church in the world. <clears throat> and if we have that passage, uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 7 to 11, we can put it up while I talk about them, at least for part of it. Okay. First on Paul's list is the gift of the message of wisdom. Message of wisdom. Now, this is the divine ability to be able to communicate the application of truth. To communicate the application of truth. This could obviously have something to do with teaching or preaching, but it can also have to do with applying God's wisdom in personal matters for helping people, for guiding them through transition or difficulty or something else. Helping people by showing them the way that they should go. And there are people who, by God's grace, can see that and share it with others. And this is the gift of the message of wisdom. It's not just someone who's really good at speaking charismatically and being entertaining. No, no. This is a spiritual gift of speaking the truth of God. And the next one goes along with it. We have the gift of the message of knowledge. Knowledge sounds similar to wisdom, and that's because it is. They're both a type of spiritual intelligence, you could call it that. They work together, but they look a little different. You see, what's the difference between 
knowledge and wisdom. Well, knowledge is often more technical than wisdom. So to have the spiritual gift of knowledge means that you know the things of God. You might have a gift for studying and understanding Scripture, right? The the gift of knowledge knows the truth, whereas the gift of wisdom knows how to apply that truth in a situation. So sometimes a person with a real gift of knowledge doesn't even know where to begin in applying the knowledge, and that's where we need someone with a gift of wisdom. On the other hand, someone with the gift of wisdom doesn't really understand all of the theology behind what they're saying, and that's where we need the gift of knowledge to go along with it. So you see the difference. Some people, I would say, are blessed with both. Uh, King Solomon certainly had the gift of knowledge and wisdom, and his Proverbs will show us what this looks like if we will receive them. Uh, Proverbs 1, 5 to 7, Let a wise man listen and increase learning, and let a discerning person obtain guidance for understanding a proverb or a parable, the word of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and discipline. So we have the gift of message of wisdom, the gift of the message of knowledge, and the third gift that Paul mentions is the gift of faith. Now, as we get to this one, many of us read this and think, all right, I think I, I must have this one because I'm saved by grace through faith. Amen? I've got the gift of faith. Check. This one is mine. Not so fast. Do all Christians possess the gift of faith? No. Evidently not, because Paul says, to each one of these is given, not some of them, all of them have, but some of them don't know. So it's particular, it's unique, it's not the same thing as a generic faith that we all share a faith in Jesus. It's the gift of faith. Now, this, this gift is evident in lots of scriptures. What comes to mind for me is the examples of those who are hurting and sick. And then Jesus heals them, and what does he say? He says, your faith has made you well. And in that moment, those people receive the gift of God's faith, um, not just generally, but specifically for a need that they have, and it opens them up to the blessing of being healed. That's one way, but it can take other forms too. The gift of faith can also mean uh, faithfulness, as in uh, a a person with a a supernatural confidence in God in spite of difficulty or opposition. Often God uses the faith of a seemingly weak person to do great things, to overcome the impossible, and Gideon comes to mind, and other so-called weak men from the Old Testament who truly are heroes of the faith. They had the gift of faith. And maybe you have experienced this, or you've seen it in others, as they show you what a profound trust in God looks like. And we thank God for this gift of faith in our lives, in our church. Okay, next in the list is the gifts of healings. Now, the gifts of healings are properly interpreted as both plural, gifts and healings. Most Bibles choose one because it's awkward to say, but they are the gifts of healings. And this is interesting because it shows us that God gives the gifts at different times for different problems. And it reminds us that those with the gift 
are not the healer. If you have the gifts of healings, you're not a healer. God's the healer. And God can use you to heal others as he wills. So, with healing, we're getting into what some of us would think of as the more exciting gifts, the more supernatural gifts. And this is interesting because I think it reveals a bit of a misunderstanding to us that some gifts are more special or supernatural than the others. They all come from the same spirit. Paul says that over and over. And having said that, I, I actually see no reason to believe that the gifts of healing precludes medical healings. What I mean is to say that God can absolutely gift doctors, nurses, paramedics, first aid responders, and so on with the gifts of healings. These people, by the grace of God, can be empowered to heal at times miraculously. And just because someone uses medicine does not mean that God didn't heal them through that. I say this because Paul does not emphasize the means by which we receive the gifts of healings, but rather that God heals. Now, I say this as a side note because the gifts of healings do occur outside the medical field or explanation where God powerfully makes right something that is wrong in, in the body or the mind we see this happen time and time again, uh, not just in Scripture, but in our world today. Some of us have experienced this firsthand, I know. Jesus heals today. Praise God. And some of us have this gift to, to encourage the church with the, touching, uh, with, with the healing touch of, of Jesus. Today, while we uh, receive these healings, we re recall that there are a reminder of the future that we are promised in the, the second coming of Christ where he will heal and redeem creation when he returns. So that's the gifts of healings. And going on to the next one in verse 10, we have the gift of performing miracles. That's generic. <laughs> the gift of performing miracles. And, and it is generic because, man, if you read the Bible, this gift is like all over the place. All over the place. The gift of performing miracles. Miracles. Obviously, Jesus is the ultimate, perfect example of this gift. Uh, none have since or, or, or before him can compare to what Jesus has done miraculously. But there are examples of other people who come to mind as well. I can't help but think of Moses. Moses, the, the most regular guy, especially at a certain time in his life, he was a shepherd by default because he had a criminal record and he didn't want to be found out, so he's hiding in the desert, and he's got his staff that he whacks the sheep with, and, and then God starts speaking to him, and, and he says, put your staff on the ground, so he does, and the staff turns into a snake, and then God's like, pick it up. And he does, and it turns into his staff again. And the same staff, God says, uh, raise your staff over the water of the Red Sea, and what happens, the sea parts. These are miracles. So the point to consider is that like Moses, when God chooses you, there is nothing that he cannot do through you. There's nothing that God cannot do as he wills through you. When God causes something amazing to 
take place through the gift of miracles, then he will do it according to his power at work. And miracles are evidence of this. So yes, there are gifts of all kinds of miracles, and some of us have this gift in our lives at certain times, and we've seen it, and we praise God for it. Now, sometimes when kids get gifts, if there are other kids around, they fight about the gifts. And this is a, a bit of a particularly frustrating experience as a parent. I can imagine it's never happened uh, in my house, but I've heard about it. And so, <laughs> um, you know, you'll give the gift and you're excited for them to open it, but then the sibling kind of starts trying to get it and there's, there's an argument on Christmas morning. So um, it's, it's life, right? This, this is what happens. The next couple of gifts cause a lot of fighting for God's children. The next couple of gifts in the list cause a lot of fighting for God's children. So I want to disclaim something or just put this out there. Before any of us fight over these gifts, I'm going to kindly request that you wait until Pastor Greg returns from holidays. <laughs> And you think I'm saying this because I don't want to, you know, deal with the arguments. But that's actually not the case. The reason I'm saying that is because in a few weeks, in chapter 14, the Apostle Paul actually returns to the next gifts in order to go into much more detail than I'm going to this morning because the children are fighting over the gifts in Corinth as well. Okay? So let my words be few in, in uh, the, these interesting but unfortunately divisive topics in the church. We will return to them uh, again in a month or so. So the gift of prophecy is listed next. Prophecy is mentioned many other times in the New Testament. The gift of prophecy in the New Testament shows us someone with the gift to speak the words inspired by the Lord, but their words are tested with the authority of Scripture. In this sense, the word of a prophet comes through a fallible human vessel and thus can sometimes contain mistakes. This is why verses like 1 Corinthians 5, 19 to 22 exist. Don't stifle the spirit. Don't despise prophecies, but test all things. Hold on to what is good. Stay away from every kind of evil. So we should do this. We should test words from people to see if they are indeed good or true or if they contain uh, errors or even lies that would lead us in the wrong direction. And if you have the gift of prophecy, you need to continuously surrender that gift to the Lord in order to maintain a humble and helpful expression of, of the gospel through the words that you speak. However, with this, with discernment practiced in the context of community, the gift of prophecy offers the word of God to people for them to hear what they need to hear when they need to hear it. And it is profoundly helpful and encouraging, and I have been helped and encouraged by this gift in my walk. And having this gift means that you'll need to take the prompt, take the risk even to open your mouth as the Spirit uh, 
leads you to do that. And to continue, as I said, to do that with a humility where you surrender the words that you say to the purpose that God would have for them in his time and even to be corrected. In the words, uh, just to summarize, uh, New Testament scholar David Hill says that uh, prophets are those who have grasped the meaning of Scripture, perceived its powerful relevance to the life of the individual, the church, and society, and declare that message fearlessly. Prophets are those who have grasped the meaning of Scripture, perceived its powerful relevance to the life of the individual, the church, and society, and declare that message fearlessly. Some of us have this gift, and I encourage us to use it to serve God with our words. Uh, now, the next gift that, that Paul lists is that of distinguishing between spirits. Uh, some call this the gift of discernment. Now, this is a wonderful gift because it can be confusing at times for Christians to tell if something that they hear or believe comes from God or comes from my own brain or perhaps comes from the enemy. Maybe you've experienced this confusion before. Well, one of the gifts that God gives us helps solve this common issue by allowing us to clearly tell the difference between what is from him and what's not. And this gift, I believe, is all the more valuable in, in our day and age where spirituality is either ignored because of enlightenment mentality or mysterious and strange because of, of ungodly influence. The, the uh, gift of discernment is very important. First uh, John 4 speaks of this. It says, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see if they are from God because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God, but every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming. Even now, it is already in the world. But you are from God, little children, and you have conquered them because of the one who's in you, is greater than the one who is in the world. So we praise God for our brothers and sisters who have the gift of discernment to help us understand what is of God and what isn't, and obviously to choose the first. So the last two gifts in this passage are on the same topic, and that is that of speaking in tongues. And this is the other area, along with prophecy, where Bible-believing Christians hold different and strong opinions on. So if you disagree with what I say now, um, join the party, <laughs> because there are uh, scholars who know what they're talking about, very much so, who don't agree on, on what this next gift necessarily looks like. And so, again... Be patient as we wait for a few weeks to return to it in chapter 14 where, where we'll go into much greater detail. But in general, the gift of tongues is where the Holy Spirit enables believers to speak in languages that either the speaker doesn't understand or in some cases that nobody else naturally understands, henceforth requiring the interpretation. 
In, in chapter 13, Paul refers to, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, he's going to refer to the tongues of men and tongues of angels. And we can see this taking place if you've uh, read the book of Acts at the events of Pentecost, the, the beginning of the church of Jesus Christ. God's spirit falls powerfully with fire on the waiting church, and they are empowered to speak in other languages to the international guests at the festival in Jerusalem. And why does this happen? Well, it happens so that everyone there would have that chance to hear the apostles share the gospel and receive it. And it is amazing. And we see also in Acts 19, the gift of tongues given to new believers. Here it doesn't say if anyone understands what's being said or not. But Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14, that if someone is using their gift of tongues and no one can understand, then it should be reserved until someone can interpret what's being said. So as to not cause a distraction, confusion, and so on. So the gift of interpretation is also given by the Holy Spirit when the time is right. In any case, the gift of tongues is a miracle that allows one to express their heart of prayer and of praise in languages given divinely by the Spirit of God. Have you ever felt like your words were not enough to thank God or, or to seek Him or to, or to express your lament to Him? Well, the gift of tongues can help with this. It is used, as with any of the other gifts, for the encouragement of the church. You may have the gift of tongues or of interpretation, and we thank God for his work, for his ability that allows us to glorify him in even greater ways as we practice this gift. And we'll put a pin in it and more on this topic uh, in a month. Okay, so these are the nine gifts that... Paul lists in today's passage. But some of you will know that elsewhere in the Bible, Paul lists some other things, and a lot of the lists cross over, but some of them are a little different than this one. So what's up with that? Well, that simply means that this list and the other ones are not a spreadsheet or a checklist of every one of the gifts that we could possibly ever have and that we should necessarily see them completely as boxed in as we may be tempted to. And no, I'm not going into all the other gifts that Paul lists this morning, but if you're, you know, thinking through those filters that I described at the beginning, going through these nine, and you're still wondering, I don't know if I've got any of these gifts, that, well, that's actually okay. You may not have the specific gifts listed in 1 Corinthians 12. You may have some of the other ones that Paul lists in Romans 12 or Ephesians 4, such as leadership, helping and serving, Generosity, showing mercy. And again, just because you don't have a gift now does not mean that you cannot have a gift. Right? You can make a wish list. I'm just kidding. But, you know, just because you don't have the gift right now does not mean that you can't ask for it. Paul uh, tells us to eagerly seek the gifts. This means that if we don't have it, it's not said and done. Maybe we will receive a gift at the right time as we seek the Lord. So remain open 
to the various giftings and understand that they are good. They are useful. Uh, They are to bless others with. And so we should pray to seek God for them and, and have our hands open to receive what he's giving us. Essentially, using your gifts is an opportunity to surrender your life to the Lord. To say, Lord, use me. Use all of my life for me. Use my experiences to bless others. Use my affinities for your purposes. Use my abilities to build your kingdom here and now. Use others to affirm me when I'm ministering to them and use me to affirm others when they are ministering to me. As well, possessing a particular gift is not as important as the way that you use that gift. So again, we find that the Corinthian church uh, has begun to really celebrate some of the more exciting ones and make a big deal out of those and, and then think less of others who either do or don't have certain gifts. That's not okay. If you have a gift, what matters is how you use it according to the Holy Spirit's power in your life. So I hope that we will stop with dragging our feet when it comes to practicing our gifts. My hope is that we will um, maybe move past the assessment stage of wondering and begin operating in the gifts, whatever the Lord has imparted to you, to see the power of him at work through us. And your greatest gifting may still be ahead of you. So again, if you're wondering, seek the Lord. Seek the Lord and receive what he has for you in his time for his glory, and great things will come. And as we're on this topic, we can have confidence in God's gift to us because of how he has generously already given the ultimate gift. He, he gave himself. He gave his son. Um, our memory verse in December in Kidsgate was... 2 Corinthians 9.15, which simply says, Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Now, this isn't talking about, you know, the list of spiritual gifts. This is talking about Jesus. We thank God for his gift that is too wonderful for words. Jesus. He saves us. He brings us to our Father into a life that is full and eternal. And we are welcome to receive the abundance of life with God. We're, we're, the only reason we can receive any spiritual gifts is because of Jesus. Jesus is both the measure and fulfillment of every gift that comes from God. Ephesians 4, 11 to 13 says it this way. And he, gave himself, uh, and he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, to equip the saints for the work of ministry and to build up the body of Christ until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of God's Son growing into maturity, a stature measured by Christ's fullness. A stature measured by Christ's fullness. So in pursuit of the gifts, we know that they are because of Jesus and they are for his glory in our lives.
We receive communion today as an experience of the grace with which God blesses his children. We have communion to remember the cross where he laid his life down to raise us up with him to save us from sin and death by taking sin and death on himself in that moment. And we have communion to say, thank you, God, for your greatest gift, the gift too wonderful for words, Jesus. Jesus.